Hello and welcome to the Still Space Podcast. I'm your host, Executive Coach Mary Lee Gannon, where my guests and I share fun and simple strategies to manage yourself so that you can show up the way you want in work relationships in life and not default to past behaviors that leave you disappointed. The Still Space is where you learn to take an intentional moment to challenge habitual assumptions that hold you back with enlightened truths that boost your genius. We transform drama, resentment, doubt, unmet expectations, and self-sabotage to executive presence, self-control, deep sleep, healthy choices, and more connection with people who matter while it still matters. It's time. I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me. Hello, this is Mary Lee Gannon, and this is episode number 11 of the Still Space podcast, Who's in Charge, the Thinker or the Thought? And I'm doing something really special at the end of this podcast, and on future podcasts, I'm going to read you letters written by my clients to themselves as a former self. In this podcast, we are all building our self-awareness, our ability to manage our own self-control and our self-acceptance so that we can show up the way we want to and not a victim of fear and doubt. In order to do that, we have to reflect and these letters to our former self, and you may consider writing one yourself, help us to see our lives from a different perspective from the perspective of wisdom. So I'm really looking forward to reading that to you at the end of this podcast. I'm really excited to talk to you about this topic today because so many of us, including myself, struggle with what that message is running over and over in our head. We all overthink, let's face it, it brings anxiety. It derails progress and introduces perfectionism as a safety net from taking risks. This almost always results in self-sabotage. It makes us feel helpless and victim-deracing thoughts and turbulent emotions that follow. This doesn't serve us. I have a client that I'm working with right now who's very capable, very professional, doing great work, and she got passed over for a promotion. Why? She didn't apply for the promotion and neither did the person who got the promotion, he asked for the promotion. He created a job description and saw an opportunity, presented it, and they promoted him. And she's just torn apart by this. And I understand that. She was working very hard, waiting to be noticed, just putting her nose to the grindstone and thinking that other people were noticing this. And now her racing thoughts are telling her, This isn't fair. I'm angry. I got cheated. I don't like him for this. And and that's just human. But our executive presence tells us "Mm, 
this isn't serving us. These thoughts don't help us find peace, stay connected with the people that we love, have self-acceptance. So she and I worked very closely on how to unravel the assumptions that she placed on this situation about herself. Because the truth is, there's nothing wrong with the organization and there's nothing wrong with the fact that he asked for a promotion her opportunity is to see what he did and apply that to herself. And she was able to do this and get a role in another organization, a great role. And she was able to talk her employer into letting her out of a non-compete. And it just worked out really well for her. Once she was able to forgive herself for not doing what he did, forgive him for doing what he did and forgive the organization for not noticing her. She worked on her persona, she worked on her executive presence, and she was able to show up differently when she could manage the thought. Who's in charge, the thinker or the thought? The thinker is in charge. You know, perfectionism is about trying to avoid risk so as to earn approval. It is a self-destructive belief that fuels the thought if I look and do everything perfectly, I can avoid shame and judgment and blame. And we trick ourselves into thinking it is action when it is actually inaction. It's us avoiding, avoiding taking risks. Perfectionism shows up when we feel unsafe in our vulnerability. This is a patterned response to anxiety as is judgment, fear of failure, blame, and shame. We may even have good intention. Intention without action is denial. Let me repeat that. Intention. You might have the best intentions. Well, I'm working hard, but if you're not taking the right action, if you can't unravel the thoughts that are holding you back, find that still space to challenge the assumptions against the truth, you're in denial. Who is in charge, the thinker or the thought? When we overthink, the thought is definitely in charge. It swishes us along and we become a boat without oars, completely at the liberty of the elements. There are those who say, just be positive or be grateful, whereby though these statements are your true north, there is little research to prove these strategies produce a sustainable shift. I think it's dangerous to force this positivity that our culture is doing right now on people. Oh, just think positively. Oh, just remember you have a lot to be grateful for. I think that imposes guilt on people and it isn't healthy. It doesn't recognize the emotion that people are feeling. That forced positivity is not natural, nor is it healthy. Then you just end up feeling worse because you can't maintain the positivity or the gratefulness. Self-defeating thoughts such as, why can't I stop thinking this way? Only make things worse. Much of what is recommended in the mainstream is not helpful. When it comes to shifting perspective, it doesn't work for everyone. I hear this from my clients all the time who have tried just about everything. Self-help books, conferences, leadership trainings, mentors, therapists, more degrees, going back to school, certifications. When you say just be positive to someone who is struggling, 
It is like salt on a wound. Of course they want to be positive, but wishing it isn't likely enough for someone to make a positive shift. Someone with a difficult boss or a difficult spouse or family member. They're feeling down. They need tools. Telling them just to be positive doesn't work. You know, this is really important when you have to be with someone who is suffering or someone who is in grief. Managing yourself and being able to say to yourself first, this is a difficult place for me. I'm uncomfortable here. This just feels unsafe and acknowledging and honoring that emotion. And when you can do that, when you own that emotion, then you can release it and then be present for somebody who is struggling or who is grieving because you don't have to fix it for them. Just being with them is enough. So you might say to somebody who's struggling, I don't know how to make this right for you. I don't know if anybody can make it right for you, but I'd want you to know that I'm here for you. And if we just sit together and read or sit together and you want to talk to me or share a cup of coffee, I'm here for you. Can we just go get a soda now? You're just being there for somebody and not saying, hey, if you need anything, call. That's sort of a brush off. But in order to be there for people in their discomfort, we have to manage our own thoughts who's in charge, the thinker or the thought. Behind judgment of self and others can be regret, which at its worst brings guilt, another debilitating feeling. One of the most misunderstood aspects of guilt is that guilt is not about you or another person being bad or doing something bad. It is basically about separation from love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. When we are trapped in fear, we are not accepting love. Guilt and the resulting fear are not about feeling bad about ourselves. They are basically about being separated from love. And if people know they are loved, they are not afraid of the perceived badness that they hold. They feel accepted and safe. They do not have to feel good about themselves to be safe. Love does that. Love is everything. The opposite of bad is not good. It is love. So if people are feeling badly about themselves, the answer is never to get them to feel better about themselves. Forced positivity is a dead end. It is inauthentic. It feels phony. The answer is to help people feel connected to love. If they feel connected and accepted, they do not have to feel good about themselves. They are good. They are good. In fact, when people feel accepted, they stop being so concerned about themselves altogether and get into love instead. Feelings of badness are not something to be overcome. They are another symptom of the basic problem of our disconnection from love. Don't fall into the trap of trying to make a person with, quote, bad feelings develop, quote, positive feelings. This is not the answer. Getting loved is. It's okay to not always be positive right away in the face of adversity. It's wise to admit when we feel vulnerable. It's savvy to have mindful daily practices 
that build your awareness of how the thinker is in charge and not the thought. It's important to name the feeling that persists, even if it hurts, so you can own and move past it. It's realistic to see advice such as, tomorrow is another day, and you're better off without that job, as nothing more than cliches, not edicts, judgments, truths, or expectations. It's strategic to realize that to authentically feel that we deserve happiness, we have to know what to release that is in the way. Here's how increased self-regulation plays at work. Jason was anxious about not fitting in on the project team. He couldn't sleep, withdrew, and was afraid to speak up at meetings. It was getting worse every day. He noticed that at the root of his fear was a recollection of being made fun of in junior high for bad skin. It made him play small so as not to be noticed, which undermined his efficacy and executive presence. Jason started to pay specific attention to what happened in his body when he felt like shutting down. Very mindfully, he noticed his chest felt tight, his breathing was shallow, and his heart was racing. He began meditating in the evenings after work to become more aware of how to control his breathing and build his mind power. Now when he notices a tense situation arising, he immediately takes a very deep, slow breath and asks himself what's really going on. He taught himself to get curious about what he was feeling, to welcome it in and not be avoidant. This is really important to be able to notice that tension rising within yourself. Look at it from a third party perspective, like a fly on the wall and say, oh yeah, that's just me getting a little upset or getting a little tense. I do that sometimes. That's a far cry different from saying, oh my gosh, I'm getting so upset. I'm going to lose it. Or why can't I stop doing this? No judgment on self. He taught himself to do this. He taught himself to welcome in the tension and not avoid it. In this space, he unravels the assumptions from the truth and realizes that he does have something to offer. He tells himself, that's just me being anxious. I've got this. He focuses that anxious energy on what he has to say. Not so much the thought, he becomes the thinker. He draws on his courage and contributes. It's a little scary, of course. Admit that scaredness. Admit that it's hard. Admit that it feels uncomfortable. That's okay. Honor that emotion. But he knows he's competent. People may not notice him at first. He will give them time. He is patient and gentle with himself. Hand to heart, may I be gentle with myself, is a wonderful thing to help you calm down. He remains true to his good character. He eventually is met with nods and smiles. It feels really nice to be included for who he is and what he brings. There will always be challenges. He now has a practice and a mindset that he can rely on. Life and work are fulfilling because he has something to contribute. He knows that, he feels it to his core, and he acts on it. I've studied the topic of mindset intensively because limiting perceptions plague most of my clients. 
Research points to the fact that resilience comes from staying in the moment and taking action, not fast-forwarding to a perceived doomed outcome. This is mindfulness. Resilience builds by realizing that flawed narratives point to assumptions we need to challenge. In that moment where we challenge those assumptions with curiosity, not turn away from them, in hurt judgment or despair, we allow the thought to flow through us, not get stuck there. Mindful practices such as deep breathing that we execute in the fire of a critical moment allow the assumption to move on, opening the door to wonder. This is why I work so closely with my clients on developing mindful daily practices. And we do these not for the moment so much that we're doing them. We're doing them to build uh, the muscle of our mind by stretching that muscle so that when we feel discomfort, we can give ourselves just a little bit more breathing room. It may seem silly to take a slow glass of water and notice how you're swallowing every swallow and feeling that water going down your throat. But this is heightening your self-awareness so that you can notice what's going on in your head, notice the thought, be in control of the thought as the thinker, and also notice how things are showing up in your body. Because if you have to give a presentation and your heart is racing, that's going to show. If you're sweating, that's going to show. If you're uncomfortable and fidgeting, that's going to show. So being able to self-regulate that in the moment by first noticing what's going on in your head, noticing that thought, noticing where it's showing up in your body, and then identifying the emotion associated with it allows us to say, oh yeah, that's just me feeling discomfort. That's me feeling uncomfortable because I feel like I'm being judged. I do that sometimes. Deep breath in, deep breath out. I'll release that with the out breath. That's being the thinker. I'm going to do a full podcast on mindful daily practices so that you can have what I call flow on the go. Uh, that That's going to take a whole podcast, so I'll do that in my next podcast. But I want you to start thinking now about building your self-awareness and being in control, being the thinker, not being run by the thought. And I'm about now to read the letter to my former self written by my client, Rajesh, who is a director of data management in a pharmaceutical company, uh, worked very hard to reposition himself and have a very nice role where he has created autonomy, respect, is thriving and very satisfied and happy. And I'm so happy for him. But he wrote this letter for me to share with you. And it reads, Dear Former Self, You thought leadership was something that required extraordinary talent. You thought leadership is meant for persons who hold a higher level position in an organization. Only extremely difficult achievements can give you that position. You had assumed it was a position. You assumed it's better to be head down and do the assigned work and forget achieving the unthinkable. However, 
over time you realized anyone can be a leader. This is not at all a position or a college degree. You experienced that the head down work when exceeding expectations gave you far-fetched recognition and new opportunities to lead. The vision you carry with your own belief helped others achieve success. That's when they recognized your talent and pushed you ahead to lead others. Few things I know from my experience. One, it is important to remind yourself of your vision, goals, and your values. You forget them faster than we can imagine. Two, how to pick a good versus bad fight at work. Three, treat your colleagues well, make them friends. Once you leave the organization, they become the best source of reference and information. Four, to get work done, always block a good amount of uninterrupted time. Five, make your personal brand, I am still learning how to do that, and let it speak for you. Six, emotional intelligence. Your EQ is more important than your IQ. Always work to build your reputation. That enhances your influence and brings more opportunities. Last but not least, I want to be identified as a selfless leader who is decisive, daring, yet gentle. Thanks. This was a great insight for self. Best, Rajesh. I found this to be endearing and touching and extremely self-aware. And I enjoy sharing it with you because I think he points out some very good things for all of us to remember. When he says it is important to remind yourself of your vision, goals, and values, these are things that he and I worked on together. Because if you don't know what you value, you start making change for the sake of change. So I'm unhappy at work, I'm going to get a new job. I'm unhappy with my partner, I'm going to get a new partner. I'm unhappy where I'm living, I'm going to get a new apartment or house. We have to spend time defining our values because if we don't, we're going to make haphazard changes that aren't going to make sense in our lives. We want to look at the values of an organization and size them up against our personal values when we're trying to understand if we're unhappy because the company either doesn't have values in alignment with ours or hangs them on the wall and doesn't live them. But if you don't know what it is that you value, it's very difficult to make good decisions. We just make decisions because we're action-oriented achievers, and then we wonder why in three months we're still in the same place. So values are simply something that you can't live without, that can't be taken away from you, that are important to you, like tenacity, family, sense of humor. At your core, this is who you are. You have to couple those with your goals, with your vision, setting a good vision. As Rajesh said, when he said how to pick a good versus bad fight at work, that's really important. Are you willing to die on the sword for everything? Of course not. You have to know what is worth going to bat for. 
what you're willing to battle over. If not, you're going to be either confrontational over everything or withdraw over everything. So discernment is the skill that he's referencing here. Good judgment comes with heightened self-awareness. Treating your colleagues well, make them friends. Once you leave the organization, they become the best source of reference. What a wise comment here from Rajesh, because your network grows and stays with you for the rest of your life. If people don't become a part of your network, they just become a part of your past. And the closeness of relationships that we have is what contributes to a meaningful life. To get work done, always block a good amount of uninterrupted time. We work on this a lot in my program because people are always saying, you know, I have so much to do. Are you doing what's urgent or are you doing what's important? And marking things off in your calendar helps you dedicate your time to make sure you're going to get something done. I do this every Monday. Anything that I have that I need to work on, I block time off in my calendar. People know I'm going to be working on that and they don't interrupt me. This is how I get the important things done and not constantly feel like I'm putting out fires. I love his comment about your personal brand because your value proposition and your personal brand, we work on this very heavily, must be understood by you first. If you don't know what your brand is, you likely don't have one and you don't want to be stereotyped because that's when people on the outside give you a brand, not executive material, not leadership material, too emotional. This is what happens when people don't have a value proposition. So being consciously aware of your persona and how you are perceived by others is a tenant of mindfulness and self-awareness. So I thank you for being with me today. This has really been fun for me to reflect with one of my clients and share that with you. Really appreciating Rajesh for making that available to you. And reminding you that there are a lot of free publications on my website that you might enjoy. There's a full career plan there. All you have to do is fill in the blanks. And a lot of other publications that help you build your self-awareness, your executive presence, and your self-acceptance. Wishing you a mindful, peaceful, and self-aware day. First... I have something really special that I can't wait to share with you. Most of you know that I work by day as the CEO of a $31 million organization, and I coach a handful of clients in the evening. Now I have taken the tenets of mindful leadership and put that into a training program so that you can fast track your career leadership while also balancing that with a good night's sleep, healthy eating habits, and close relationships. I call this program Mindful Leader Satisfied Life. Not only will you have the training, you also get one-on-one coaching with me, not a group, one-on-one coaching with me so that we can unravel your personal assumptions that are holding you back. You will no longer be unnoticed, undervalued, and inadequate, feel judged, and that others think that there's something wrong with you and you start thinking there's something wrong with you too because you're getting passed over for promotions, new roles, no longer doing all the things you hear you should be doing. Sigh of relief, right? With only defeat and the fear that failure is in your DNA forever, 
dogging you in the back of your mind. You'll no longer be disconnected from colleagues, friends, and family, or following the shoulds that make you feel you're still behind the curve and might even lose everything altogether. No longer frustration about habits that show up in terms of snacking, disjointed relationships, vices, poor sleep. No longer making excuses while not actually getting any closer to high performance. So if you're interested in this program, all you have to do is go to my website, maryleegannon.com. Click on the link on the top that says Coach with Mary Lee. It explains all about the program. Fill out a few questions on the questionnaire so that I know a little bit more about you and I'll reach right out to you and we'll set up a time to talk and we'll get you started. No longer will you have to wake up and say, I missed an opportunity. I wish I had. Please remember that I can only take a few clients at a time and I already have a full book right now. So I'd like to make sure that you're on the list. Head over to maryleegannon.com. Click on Coaching with Mary Lee. Let's get started. I'm glad you were with me today and I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com where you can also learn more about working with me.